0: Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something, where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Hello, everybody. You are listening to, yet again, this is Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy with Garrett and Natasha um, joining me in our scenic basement apartment studios, as usual. If you would, please introduce you guys.
1: My name is Natasha. I am a repeat guest now, thank you, and um, a nerd.
2: Uh, Garrett Burt, repeat guest, honor and personality, uh, Patrick Swayze haircut enthusiast.
1: Nice
0: uh which but which patrick but which haircut he had many i don't know you tell me i'm trying to
2: i'm trying to point out that my haircut is is a real throwback just make sure it gets Roadhouse? longer in the back do you want to see it? yeah it needs to be like a, probably a good 3 inches longer yep. in the back
1: but
0: i'm working on it
1: Get that party in the back started
0: well, so so the mullet era because at one point he did have it was a like close cropped back there too and then
2: yeah so that was that earlier or later i wonder
0: i think both well no um Earlier, earlier eighties, before he had the front really built up, he had that kind of 80, uh you know, he had the standard, um, just eighties guy. Well, early eighties guy, late seventies. Like I think, I think he, what he has in Red Dawn, it's mm-hmm. not until it's not until uh, after, um, Dirty Dancing, that it really began to expand. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm I'm heading that direction. Is all I'm trying to say. Nice. Everyone needs goals to work. I want
2: to I want to paint a picture. For the for the listeners of, who haven't seen me,
1: yes, garrett's hair is getting longer, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Leon's getting larger. That's one of
2: my favorite bits from that movie. It's getting thicker,
0: and Leon's getting larger.
2: The the castle, Rapunzel, or the tower—that's
0: um, what it was. Sorry. Rest in peace, Steven Strucker. Yeah. Died 1987 of uh, of, AIDS, the, yeah. of AIDS. Yeah. Mm. We're talking about airplane. I don't
1: know. Oh yeah. my god! How did I miss airplane that? and airplane two? I and love that movie.
0: Show also shows up in Kentucky Fried Movie as yeah. the court re- as the court reporter in the uh, in the uh, in the black and white uh, court, you know, re- true crime courts uh, court um, scene.
2: He's one of those guys that like like Chris Parnell when he's on um, Thirty Rock, where it's like they're just like we need something hilarious to happen. Uh is it Chris Parnell? Am I thinking
0: of the right guy? God
1: you damn mean Spichayman? Like if you watch the guy who plays
2: the doctor all the
1: time. On Thirty the
2: Rock. The kind of inept doctor on Thirty Rock. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's that's uh yeah.
0: Dr. Spaceman yeah. on uh on uh, that's Chris Parnell uh, now he's on great. Archer. He's
1: a great art. I mean, he he just one he, of those
2: He's just, just one of those things where like, hey, we need a funny yeah. scene. I don't know, think of a reason to get Chris Parnell yeah. uh, on the show because that guy's fucking funny. Just have man. him in
1: and give him some lines, he doesn't even need to do anything, and then, he just and looks like funny.
2: In airplane, that guy that, that Jeremy's talking about, it's like they're just like, hey, uh do something funny now. Yeah, and he yeah. just you just would. I mean
0: when they literally have a scene where you just says what do you make of this johnny and he's the, <laughs> okay,
2: oh okay, I can make... I remember. yeah oh i could make a <laughs> <laughs> or these... I can make a hat or a...
0: i don't remember what he <laughs> oh, says yeah, right. remember or a brooch that. or a pterodactyl and <laughs> the other fun thing is about that film is the um mike from breaking bad and then later also from community is one of the is one of the um oh, my gosh. oh the heavy eyelids guy yes yeah. i love him he is one of the i can't remember the actor's name jonathan something is one of the um the airport tower crew, the radar operator, and the guy. Um, so funny! I don't remember that at I mean, all. It's just kind of like it. you know. There's a, just the. Oh, Does oh. he have a speaking part? Yes, it's the scene where he says.
3: He's all over place. 900 feet. 1,300
1: feet. an asshole.
0: And he's just he just shows up. He's just one of the characters in the uh, in that.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, one so our topic today, as far as we wanted, is we really had one, as. Long as you know, like usual, like we ever really have it at all. Um, I think Garrett, you finally saw Rogue One. I and did. Let us find, let us just say fuck it and just dive into. We'll start with uh, standard, um, you know, Portland podcast nerd shit talk, and then we'll see what kind of uh, idiocy we go from there.
2: Well, I wanted to bring up, um, I wanted to bring up Rogue One because it had taken me so long to see it and you know natasha you're such a big star wars
1: i'm sitting over there here covering my mouth so i don't yeah, squeal yeah she's,
2: she's champing at the bit uh, yeah you're one of those star wars fans i think they call trekkers oh <gasps> yeah
1: i am a trekker too though
2: you one of them deadheads uh, Yeah. um so star wars brown coats <laughs> <laughs> oh. um so yeah, I finally saw it. I enjoyed it. It was too long as my complaint about a lot of movies are. Mm-hmm. So it's not unique that it's too long. Um the, but the one thing I found interesting um was the fact that they used Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher's likeness in the film mm-hmm. and they did such a good job because it was seamless. You know, it's it was it yeah. seemed seamless to me, but I didn't know that that was a facet of the movie. That's why I'm so. Tuned I'm glad out you from...
1: went in blind like that. Yeah, that's great. I love
2: it. I like to know as little as possible about a movie before I go into it, and I hate. You know, I'm not a no spoilers guy. Like you can tell, like like I don't get that mad if if I under if if I'm told an element of the plot, but when it's stuff like that,
1: I did tell you that everybody died, and I'm sorry.
2: It's okay. I don't even. I didn't even remember that. I mean, it seemed like how else could it end? You Spoiler know. Spoiler mean? alert.
0: I thought. I thought. I did enjoy that. It was kind of, um, much like how. The, the, if nothing else, for, it's kind of the. I think the film has, it, and I we've mentioned this on the air before. It's kind of if, you, if ultimately if you could just take mashed together good the good bits from Rogue One and the good the good bits of Force Awakens, um. It would be. I mean, you'd have a superior product, but. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, it is a product. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is a product. But well, why don't point... we focus group that, Jeremy? Yeah. yeah,
1: Rogue One is a like a love story to canon, as we say, um, mm-hmm. because there is so much jammed packed into it, like all of the Easter eggs. I mean, there were tons. there were
2: a million, and there were pro- I probably only even caught like six percent of them, but. Uh, there were a ton of them. I liked, I actually liked going back to everyone dying. I actually liked it because I don't want to get used to a whole new set of, you know what I mean?
1: Well, people will be asking, you know, what's been interesting about that is that it's actually the result of executive meddling. That oh. they had the whole, yeah, the whole group. Because in the original scripting, they were planning on having, I think, Jin and Cassian uh, basically survive. Then, Cassian's
2: the swarthy guy. Yeah,
1: okay. mm-hmm. so Diego, Diego Luna, Luna. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know Jin ErsO is um, Felicity Jones. Um, so they were supposed to survive just after they beamed the the um, the, the plants to the Tantive Four. Is it the Four, right? <laughs> I, I don't. Know. I just lost my Star Wars nerd cred. Okay. Yeah,
2: the, the, you've got it with me because I don't even know the words you just said. Yeah,
0: right. the yeah the the term for for certain for the uh, the tr Star, the Star Wars heads in the audience, otherwise known as Hoovians, is it, it is a block. <laughs> the term the term is blockade runner.
1: Blockade runner. Nice.
0: That's the, well. That which is the that's the that is the uh, the kind of freight of um I don't know. freighter. Oh, the ship. The ship. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the Rogue One was? So, um,
1: no, the Taunton.
0: No, the Rogue the Rogue One. We're, we're, the Rogue One. Oh, my God.
2: I don't want to get on Ship Talk. Yeah, maybe. no. You could
1: get on Ship Talk a lot for this because <laughs> no, there's so much. But. Yeah, no.
0: Rogue One was the friends they made along the way. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to miss you most of all, Scarecrow.
0: Goodbye, déjà vu. I'll always remember you. And I'll miss you most of all,
1: Scarecrow.
2: I liked. I wanted to talk about the other thing that I really liked, that and Jeremy. I think echoed that he wishes there were more of. So Gareth Edwards was the director, and he made monsters, and he made the the new Godzilla movie, uh, which was garbage. But we could table that.
0: Uh, oh, real quick, uh, can finish the if you can? Uh, can you finish the bit about executive meddling?
1: Oh, yeah. oh right, yeah, that's
2: interesting. Sorry.
1: Oh no, no, it's okay. It's 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 interesting to look at it from a script writing perspective or some storytelling perspective because when you think about the fact that you know it's. It's basically like a Snow White and the Seven Samurai kind of story where you mm. have, like, you know, the one girl and then all the other characters kind of. And so, you know, I think that they originally wanted to be lighter in tone. But I think Disney came back. And this is really interesting that Disney came back and Lucasfilm came back and said, no, we need to we need to make this a little bit more. We need to yeah. make this a little bit more dark. Everything's
2: got to be dark in, these days to be taken seriously. Grimmer.
1: Yeah. Grim dark. Um you know and i like it because it was very poignant and also they don't have to worry with people making assumptions about these characters surviving into this because you know you can't really fit them into the the storylines of uh you know the, the yeah. original trilogy. Well, and i'm
2: sure if you're like if you're like a very high functioning autistic star wars nerd like you want as many new characters and you'll know all the connections between yeah. them. but that's too much for me. It's to too much. So i'm
1: glad that they kept it that way. Um I, I'm really glad that they I, did that because it's it's also kind of like you're clearing the whole plate and you're not just also getting rid of these characters kind of mm-hmm. as cannon fodder yeah um the only my only sadness about the movie in general is that the characterization you know you don't get enough of it because of how big the group is right
2: mm-hmm. that's a good point
0: yeah those the uh, that was the thing like force awakens has um has the better characters and the more uh better characters and more emotional connection. right this one had a very different look and feel and i guess better action and some well, bits of humor but it was yeah it it was lacking in the um yeah yeah uh, in the in the character which as as some would say like i think uh red letter media what uh that was their main complaint about it and they got it they got so much shit for it that they started putting out i think it's one of the reasons why they started putting out Lately, they've been doing their own, like, mocking fan, yes, fan videos. Like, uh, So they are always doing before, but now it's much more like, we're going to do our own fan, um, heavily ironic fan podcast yeah. YouTube vids. Mm-hmm.
1: I think there is a subset of the fandom that literally only went to see the, that last few minutes with Vader, <laughs> where he's so extra that he force pummels a guy to the ceiling and then cuts him in half while he's on the ceiling. You know, this is like the epitome. Is that
2: after the 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 credits? No, I don't that's, remember. That's that. right before,
0: though. No, this is this is. Uh, Why the, don't I remember that?
1: Right when the plans get to the it's ship. A, all right. Yeah? and he comes in. It's like a horror movie, and.
3: Yeah. It's Like we need
0: this is a Star Wars film. We need to have lightsabers at some point. So <SSSSS>. yeah. here we go. Yeah. The one kicker, as I think, <laughs> film Crit Hulk Geson- <****inggger> pointed out, why do you have your most exciting scene in the film after the climax? Yeah, <laughs>
1: because we know what you're really here for. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and also having that whole scene just so they could have Mustafar shown, like because they wanted to reuse those. Well, they wanted to. I think that who, Mustafar.
2: Who, what's the name you just said?
1: Mustafar. So that's. <laughs>
0: Evil okay. lava planet.
1: Evil lava planet. That's oh, okay. where Obi-Wan and Anakin fought, duels. Okay. I have the high ground, you know, like yeah. and he cut off all of us. Is it?
2: Is that in episode 3? Yep. Cuz I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's
1: okay. It's It's all right. It is it's
0: worth seeing. well, it's worth at we'll least introduce. I'm not
2: sh- I I'm not sure I've seen episode 2.
0: So, you know No, no, we wouldn't No, We yeah. saw I thought we saw 3 at the uh saw, I thought we saw 3 at the theater. Not I sir. Huh. Yeah.
1: It's the better of the prequel. That's movies. what I, I
0: remember everyone saying that. Yeah.
1: But M- Mustafar is, is where he basically, where him and Obi-Wan dueled and he lost all, like, you know, three quarters of his limbs. For
0: 45, uh, for 45 fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. It's and
1: there, yeah, there's lots of lava jumping and all these kind of things. Right. But re- he, the, the Emperor forced him to build his little castle there, you know, where his life really ended, you know, as a Jedi and he became a Sith Lord.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe I should watch that one.
0: It, it, it if you don't see uh, or I would actually watch if you can and this might be more like watching a director's commentary more than that I would actually recommend more watching the Red Letter Media Plinket review of episode three which actually yeah. which is a great rundown of both how like kind of the the, the prequel trilogy failed as Mm -hmm. like compelling story you know compelling storytelling as well as compelling direction because most of the film especially well attack of the clones was this too but also most of the film were just kind of like people walking and talking in little like you know shot reverse shots as they say and Mm -hmm. cut in some plinket audio uh which skeeves people out the
1: george lucas and his unending dialogue that needed to be cut down by the actors but they could not do it during the prequel trilogy and so hayden Christensen was blamed for his wooden acting and not being a good, you know, and when, when, it's, when it's when it's really it's that really... George
2: Lucas isn't a good director of actors. Probably, I, I
1: think it's mostly just that he has. Yeah, he he exists best when he is edited, and at that point in his career, he was unedited. He was surrounded by yeah. yes men.
2: Going, tying back to the thing we last talked about, which is people who don't who can't be who cannot exactly. be edited.
0: Yeah, um, as they say, the people writing about when the. At one point in like the early eighties, the most important uh, it was like the most important divorce ever happened because Marsha Lucas oh, was yeah. the one person you know. Uh, Marsha Griffin was the one person who could tell Lucas no, yep. and as one who could, who would was also a um, you know edited a lot of like the early scripts as well as you know cut together cut together like half of uh, half of Star Wars and like save the trench run and a couple other things. Yeah. but she was gone, and so kind of well, after that, he you know he didn't really have anybody to. Um, you could, you know, to edit them, mm-hmm. and you, after you know you listen to, you you have enough people giving you accolades, you you know the uh, the human brain is it's way too easy to start believing your own press, right? Well, I mean, twenty years.
2: the the person I like to pick on the most for this that aspect is, uh, and I'm I've never been an enormous fan, but man, Adam Sandler, like nobody says no to that guy. You know what I mean? No one says this is terrible what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: He figured out a way to make free paid vacations for him and his <laughs> friends true. to make That's really right. shitty movies that will be watched regardless of whether or not they have any.
2: That's what blows my mind. That whole thing that like people, really, you really can't tell that this sucks a lot. Like
0: at some point, it's the, uh, the yeah. enough product placement to. Uh, uh, again, it was the uh, I'll we can I'll refer to it again. Red Letter Media. Those guys did a, they did a great bit a few years ago talking about how. Um, it's very difficult to tell the difference between an Adam Sandler movie and a straight like you know, full on like just grift. Because you can <laughs> you can I mean you, that's the thing you the number the amount the the amount of like product placement in there is the kind of you shoot as cheap as possible you get a free paid vo- uh, vacation you get all your friends coming in and then you load it up with um you know you load it up with so, so much mm-hmm. product placement that the film is already you know effectively already paid for and everything else is just kind of and or something. And a half I want them commercial.
2: to do I want them to do like a, a bit where um, Cheez-Its is a sponsor <laughs> and they find a way to talk about each individual type of Cheez-It. They're like, "Honey, hand me the Cheez-It brand snack crackers." Yeah, they'll make sure and, the box is pointed yeah, towards then, the camera. Yeah, then it's it, the box, yeah, the box goes straight across in front of the camera and then the person grabs it and goes, "No, I wanted the white cheddar." And then they get the other box and it goes across. They I go, wouldn't be you know surprised if that, that n- n- was actually like a the, movie. I'd like the pizza <laughs> kind or whatever. I don't know. Is there a pizza cheese? There has to be, right?
0: They can
1: always add MSG to anything it, to make no. it taste like pizza. Pizza real
0: flavor. And once again, again for the um, these second or third show in or we or. From, uh, we cut back to the scene from either Wayne's World or Wayne's World, <laughs> World Two. It's Wayne's World, it's where the they deliberately uh, they deliberately do the uh, the product placements.
2: <laughs> ah, new little, yellow, different. It's like people only do things
3: because they get paid, and that's just really sad. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new little, yellow, different. <laughs>
2: And it's the choice of a new generation, right? <laughs> That's such a good bit. Make by sure you the way. look in the camera what you do. And you do. can yeah. only do that once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: it's also you know you know having your cake and eating it too because right. you both you're both you are both mocking the idea of. Product placement. While do while you're still, it's like you can't have an ironic dance party. Even <laughs> if it's ironic, you're still dancing into music. You know, <laughs> it's an ironic sweater. Well, it doesn't matter. You're still, you know, you're, you're still, still a sh- wearing a sweater. You're still wearing, yeah. you know, you're still wearing a. You're still that schmuck wearing the sweater. It's um. Yep. I think it, Chris Hardwick talked about. I think either him or Jonah Ray would talking about how. Irony only, you know. Irony only works amongst friends, because otherwise, <laughs> that's, you know, a good point. that's a good point. I mean, they're they
2: all just inside jokes, right? Yeah,
0: they, they, everyone, you know, your friends know why you're wearing that t shirt, but other than that, you're out where walking around. And you're just a schmuck wearing a t shirt. And I say this as someone who was ironically gifted a t shirt from Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma that I will still wear. And you're <laughs> like, "Did you go there?" I'm like, "Not really,"
2: but I think that I think that's a good joke. Well, I mean, it's a good joke for uh, you know for your friends, but I. I would love to wear an Oral Roberts University. Sweatshirt. I want too.
1: I I like like whimsical T-shirts.
2: Just the whole idea of I had a buddy. Well, he wasn't a buddy. He was kind of an asshole in high school. That at a thrift store had gotten a priest, a real priest, you know, <laughs> uh, but, vestment or uh, whatever, vestment, what,
0: what, like the cassock or the or the collar or what. Well,
2: I don't. The definitely the, the collar and the shirt that went with mm-hmm. the collar. Okay. Uh, I don't know if the pants, but he would just wear it around. Like he'd go to the mall like wearing his priest costume. And I, don't, I would love to see. I don't what, really know what the okay. end game was, but that's
0: not, isn't that isn't that like a Lenny Bruce? Didn't Lenny Bruce do like exactly the same thing? Because I remember. Um, I have no idea. Okay, because I just remember like. In fact, I have his. I have his, not quite autobiography over on the shelf over there, and yeah, he. Um,
1: you have to ask him if he got hit on.
2: Well, we're not friends anymore. Oh. We weren't really friends back. Then. He was an asshole. Was, okay, right. Never mind. We, just, we basically hung out. Maybe with this, he was. For, we basically I mean, hung out at the same record shop, and we both really liked the guy who ran the record shop, and we would just shoot the shit and hang right. out. And he'd actually like let you smoke in his
1: record shop. And yeah. I, I just like, imagine yeah. high fidelity. Um, just yeah, just yeah. I was just saying.
0: Well, that's how. <laughs> well, that's how it works. he is one of those
2: assholes. I wasn't. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, where, yeah, it's um not necessarily friendship, but just companionship through both liking the same mm-hmm. shit.
2: And and like, a shared mis- misanthropy helps, too. You correct. know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, I don't know if that's what you're going to say. I didn't mean to step on you.
0: Well, no, I think that's, that's pretty much it, but it's kind of like not... It is only defining... It's almost like only defining... Um, similar getting back to, um, you know, the bits about, uh, like, geek culture. Yeah. You know, only getting a... a having your identity being formed by the shit you're consumed or the stuff that you are into. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you, that's your subgroup. Um, and then, you know, with like stuff from people in the record shop or also folks I knew from like the comic, you know, Dave's Comics in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. just because people would hang out in there because the owner was cool. And yeah. he was, he was a, uh, you know, Joe, the owner of, uh, who, well, not owner, but the man, the guy who managed the Ann Arbor stop was the thing where, you know, it was kind of, he had the, it was a little bit older than everybody and he had the, he had the knowing of a lot of things. Yeah. To mm-hmm. uh, paraphrase uh, Beyond Support Thunder. Support your
1: local comic book shops because those people are awesome.
0: Right. And yeah, and that, and that comic book shop went away. Oh. Because as, uh, as everything did. Yeah. That's
2: it's bad. a drag. Now everyone's online shouting at each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's been around for...
2: About uh, how they don't love the thing they both love in the right way. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now
1: it's all about gatekeeping. And what kind of fan are you? Like, I, you know, I'm not going to say that you're not a Star Wars fan just because you haven't seen the third episode. It's okay. It would
2: be okay if you did say that because it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah. I, I like Star Wars just fine, but mm-hmm. I've always maintained that I love Star Wars just fine. Yep. Uh, it's so weird because I'm definitely... You know, I definitely nerd out on stuff, you know what I mean? But I just,
1: it's, it, you might not always want to delve too deeply into those realms, I think.
2: Well, I just, I haven't been, and I, maybe it says something about something that's happened inside of me, either for good or for ill, that I just don't get as obsessed as I used to about. I kind of wish I did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't, you know?
1: Well, no, I feel you, like for a long time there, especially before. This whole jumping into the new Star Wars fandom, mm-hmm. I was I was completely offline. Like I was not commenting, not participating. I was just absorbing content, like lurking. Like
2: yeah, I've recently start started in the past couple of weeks to to engage a little more on Twitter. I'm still not good at it. You Neither know what am I. Mean? I can't figure it Some out. Some people are so good at it.
1: How do you reply to yourself in this long thread and think, reply Yeah, to you, just hit rep- you just hit. reply. But... but
2: this is good podcast.
1: This is the worst. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just submitted I didn't know how to use Twitter. No,
2: I just I you know the ways that people are like good at being uh, a huge smart ass on Twitter like I'm yeah. so behind the curve on that. Yeah. Um and then when I try to get like I try to really engage like like um like trying to engage with someone and being like I really want to know what you think about this, and then have that person not respond. And it's like I understand probably why they didn't respond was because they're they're themselves tweeting all the goddamn time. They're probably and, being
1: added a million times. Yeah, and res-
2: and responding to a bunch of other people's tweets. Um, but then the other part of me, I guess, the more um, uh, self conscious part of me is like, are did they just are my is my idea about this just patently idiotic? You know what I mean, and I don't see it, and they're and it's so idiotic to them that they're not even going to dignify it with a response. Like, for instance, there was a guy on the Intercept this week that wrote this column about oh, yeah. racism in the Democratic in the in the, this last election that, that racism played a bigger part uh, than than economic anxiety. You know, like yeah, like which is like, and it was a well written article, and I the only thing I took um you know I took umbrage with was like. I guess I'm not that surprised that a bunch of racist people voted for Donald Trump. I think the thing that the Dems ac- actually need to be looking at is um why didn't people go out and vote? You know, yeah. like why did so many people stay home? And I I added him in a in my own post and then I there there I tagged onto a post that Glenn, Glenn Greenwald was writing and I asked the same question both times and just nothing. And so I'm like, is that just such a stupid question? That they're not even going to answer it, or is it just because they're so overwhelmed by?
1: it? It's probably uh, overwhelmed by it, and also it's kind of a hard thing to unpack for some of the in 140 characters, I guess. But I'm, right?
2: well, but I'm really sick of the postmortems. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, and then when those you... are just
1: dumb in general. I think at this point, I'm sorry because they're not looking at the major issue, like mm-hmm. you said, of why didn't people come out to vote?
2: Well, and it's like they said in Jack. Sorry, Jeremy. I know you're trying to get something in. They said in Jacobin this week. It's like, look. Like, because the guy uses exit poll data as as part of his evidence, and yeah. it's like, exit exit poll data only tells you why people voted. You know what I mean? It doesn't tell you why people didn't vote. You know? uh, uh,
0: the piece we're referring to is a piece that ran on April sixth. It's uh, called "Top G- Top Democrats Are Wrong: Trump Supporters Were More Motivated by Racism Than Economic Issues," by Mehdi Hassan.
2: Like, but like, do you guys is, do you guys want to unpack that a little bit? Because I I actually. I put a lot of thought into that. Like I was like actually doing like a philosophical like argument diagram of it and trying no, to like. No,
1: please. I I haven't read the article yet, to be honest. With well, you may, so then maybe we there. shouldn't.
2: But but the guy, the guy was basically saying that 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 you know that racism was the primary motivator of why people voted for Trump, rather than like, you know. And he was kind of taking Bernie Sanders to task for.
1: Ugh, I'm sorry, but I really <laughs> hate that kind of. Neoliberal well, kind of like deconstruction.
2: I mean, it it seems plausible enough, but to me it's not that interesting. Like it's it's like, oh, you mean so basically one of his things is like he's saying the people who voted for Trump weren't actually dirt poor crackers in like in, you know, haulers. Well we knew know. they
1: were middle class Republicans. Right. They always vote for Republicans. And that's
2: what I said. Like that was one of my responses was that, oh, so 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 uh <laughs> there's weird noises upstairs. So so are you saying that the the party that was always representative of well to do, you know, either overt or quasi or, or 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 subconscious racist voted the way that they always do? Like why is that interesting? You yeah. know what I mean?
0: I think a great response to this was actually in current affairs, uh put I out start two days later from more. uh is you know, Amber A. Lee Frost said they, they they deliberately chose the most boring name possible to have the most what sort of, Surver- so people take it. Subversive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's not they're they're they are not tipping their hand. But a great response to this is also put out by uh Nathan J Nathan J. Robinson uh just called the racism v economics debate again with the subhead of um anyone who says the election was about race or about anything has little regard for truth. And it's yes. I think the other thing and it relates to something like I don't know Freddie DeBoer posted that elections aren't really monocausal. Like you know there's a, thousand, there's a you know people vote in a, for a thousand and one reasons and for a thousand and one sub reasons and kind of draw I think we are wired to want to want to draw huge uh because we are you know we are a story, we are a storytelling creature right we are for hard us, pattern, recognition. pattern recognition yeah, yeah. yeah we are uh, we are um, we are deliberately you know we are we we can't we cannot um we cannot a uh, incorporate data not in a not in like an informational architecture and they are that architecture is, is always narrative yeah.
2: right Sam Chris wrote a really good thing a couple of few months ago about the same sort of thing where he was basically pointing out that like it's really good to be a systems thinker he was this was largely in a critique of Silicon Valley type people yeah it's really good to be a systems thinker but it's only valuable if you've actually Dot, you know got got your thumb on what syst- what how the system actually works yeah. you know what i mean if not it's all just sort of wanking sort of
0: speculation you know what i mean right yeah wanking uh, to the levels of guitar center i think that the, <laughs> the the
1: problem with any poor criticism is if you consider something on a micro scale, and not look at the con- context for stuff in the larger picture, and just try to isolate out these one, you know, the one thing that d- drives something. You're you're absolutely missing the point. Historians don't look at, at at stuff like that that way, and you know, us
0: decent ones do it don't at least. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's very easy to use these buzz, buzzwords and 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 paint a whole class of people as racist, and yeah, maybe they're isolated from. You know, urban environments, or from from people of color, to the point where they don't really understand. And maybe you know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, fear mongering around you know, um, Muslims, especially. Yeah, we saw that in this election. So, you know, there's there's some veins of truth within there, but you can't paint. You can't paint a picture with one color. You know. Well, it's,
2: and then the, the the common sort of sorry. No, uh, let's go. Go ahead. Uh, the common sort of, I, I would say, sort of socialist Marxist critique is that like, look, like you can use economic uncertainty to actually feed racism. Exactly. Like it's not very uncommon, you know? Yeah. It can be a sort of negative feed or positive feedback loop or yeah. one, it's one a- encourages the other. Nationalism right. comes from that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to
0: say there's almost, it's like there's a word for that where you have different strands of functional purposes kind of cr- cross linking together, kind of like a crossroads or <laughs> Can't think of what that word is. Oh well, whatever. we could have, it'll come up later. Intersectional. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're gonna take a break to go paint oh, to go paint with uh go paint some more with one color. Uh, stay tuned for more giving <laughs> giving the mic to the wrong person. R- we'll be uh, right back right after this. Hey, and mate. we're back here on <laughs> giving the mic to the wrong person. Uh, I am your host Jeremy, joined as always with uh, by. With or by, whatever. With and by. With, with and, and by Garrett and uh I Garrett and I Natasha. I Natasha. I suddenly went I in, I suddenly went Midwestern there. And we're talking about prog bands. Um growing up I never really got the only prog that I was ever really into was Prague Metal. Mm-hmm. And uh which means uh, uh when I was in high school means a hell of a lot of Queensryche. Dream oh, Theater? Yeah. Did you get
2: in the dream theater?
0: Only I they were always mentioned in the same breath, like mm-hmm. on the on both the the local b b s fido net boards and then later on to like you know alt fan Queensryche or rec music rec arts music Queensryche. they would mm-hmm. mention like sabotage and uh and dream theater and a couple other things but this was before, pro- before this was before uh i think metal spun off into um i think the i mean I personally think the breaking point was pantera and, and Rage Against the machine but it was before uh metal kind of bi- bifurcated yeah yeah and then you know eventually wound up going to uh, the the more I always took it the the more European stuff and went like power metal you know and turned into Dragon Force mm-hmm. oh Dragon Force <laughs> oh
1: my god
2: what fun Dragon Force is uh, they um
1: that band got popularized by was it rock, like Guitar Hero or, I, th- I or think Gamergate Game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> guys love uh Dragon Ford. If am I wrong about
1: that? It's a good background music for your YouTube video, what can I say?
0: It was well uh that song was like O six before O six. No, so I don't remember. I'm just I, I yeah.
2: obsessed with the two one thing videos for.
0: Yeah, they and I liked how they even worked it into um the um the the double find video game the, um Brutal Legend. Which was oh, the yeah. the re, it was a mix of like character action and real time strategy, only the entire art direction because uh, Tim Schafer was, you know, kind of like uh, 80s Hesher, the the entire nice. the entire art direction of the game was inspired by 70s and 80s heavy metal heavy metal album covers. Yeah, and I think at one point they 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 do they back an action sequence with uh with um that song. Yeah. The, uh, the one of um, a great game, and because it's it's available cheap, they finally ported it to PC and like to modern consoles. I think the um, one of the uh, initial bits that really struck me was when you first enter the land, you have to fight off. Um, I think you have to fight off like some heavy metal witches or something, and at one point they just start playing Black Sabbath. Just comes on, yeah. huge fan, yeah, great,
1: yeah. It's it was a really nice video to watch played. I mean. Video game, sorry. (laughs) What was it
0: called? Brutal Legend. Brutal Legend. Put up by. Wasn't
1: the voice actor like Jack Black? Yes, it was
0: Jack Black. Jack Black is in there. Alright, nice try, lady, or whatever you are. I'm supposed to think you're a nun, but I know you're really some kind of big, ugly demon, so let's have it. Aha! Knew it! Big, ugly demon. Kind of sexy, though, in a weird way. Just uh, by
2: the name, it sounds like a it sounds like a record by one of the lesser Wu Tang Clan <laughs> people.
0: Right, nice. but um, yeah. because it, you, they 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 tip their the hand. one where
2: you're like his name is like f- Flat. Something and you're like that guy's in the Wu Tang Clan. when yep. did they add him? You yeah, know what I he's mean? kind like, of like one
0: of the, one of the lesser <laughs> members who somehow like got it. You know, was only shared maybe half a verse with uh, the with, yeah. with, he's, uh, he's with ODB U- and that's he, it.
2: He's Yu God's second cousin, and it's like, oh fuck, I forgot you God was in the U-T- the Wu Tang Clan. Yep.
0: <laughs> Inspected deck. I, and I, I still can't remember what what exactly J.Ru the Damages relationship with the Wu-Tang I don't was. know Ex, uh, with the exception of J.Ru also did uh, he, he did a that's a fucking a, sweet name na- though mid late yeah. 90s um, uh, Wushu you know uh, Wirefu um, music video did theater. he really? yeah it was great well I remember he was
2: on the second and I think better and less well acclaimed Diggable Planets record oh yeah Blowout come, he's got a he's got a sweet rap, and I think the song Graffiti, but I'm not sure if that's
3: the
2: song. the
0: and people the is i held down well, so you yeah, can't touch it when I discharge. Who's praying for peace? Beasts all on my back is just like that in Brooklyn. So I vibrate and shake them off like fleets. Awesome. Oh, the thing about, the other thing about modern prog, that's what I was find was strange, was that there are now, molt, that how, I should be surprised because you have like really nerdy white dudes with guitars, how like, how emo bands would get into prog. Yeah, because especially this 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 really happened. I've mentioned this before, but this really happened on later day, latter day sunny day real estate albums. Uh, especially the are the, they're. I think the the one they put out right before they split up for the second time in two thousand. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of my recommendations for the band Orbs, which was really you listened to that and like, yeah, this is this is full on emo prog, dude.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and I remember like. uh in the late 90s, very early 2000s, like really still being into that stuff and e- emo music in particular, bef- mm. before it was sort of codified and it's like this, now this is what emo sounds like. You know? Right. Yeah. Same thing that happened to punk rock where it's like, punk rock used to be just anything weird, you know, like the, for a while the the Talking Heads were a punk rock band, right. you know, in some people's eyes.
0: Well, then, well, then I think... <clears throat> I think what, yeah, what led to that codification was the Ramones going over to the UK and everybody taking that, and then the Sex Pistols coming over here, mm-hmm. and then that became that because that was you know we only we base a um to, to mix the two things of like you know we base our our definitions on the the exotic, and also that no one is an no one is an expert in their own backyard. In other words, you have to go, you know, it's like, it's like people who grew up with you can call you on your shit and don't necessarily like that kind of a thing. Very true. Mm -hmm. But you, so you had these two things come together with like the sex pistols coming over here and that became, that became, that, that kind of became punk rock for, you know, the year that they kind of, that that they were, you know, before they dissolved in San Francisco.
1: Yeah. I just have a hard time categorizing bands nowadays. Somebody's like, what kind of band is that? Um, I think that's. Indie rock, but it's not. It's garage rock or surf rock or pop or dreamy or and it's got synth elements to it. I don't know.
0: A lot of well, I think part of it is just uh, you characterize a band by, um, I don't know who they sound with, who they sound. either who they sound like or where they came from. Uh, yep. It always helped because. I mean, genre definitions got messy in the '90s, and then, yeah. the, you know, it's like it, it hasn't gotten cl- more clarified since the explosion of the explosion of technology and recording. And now that you know, now that you know, thanks to the... not just Napster but Spotify, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you yeah. have now destroyed the, for better or for worse, destroyed scarcity. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what
2: makes me. I think that's what makes me lose interest in modern music is that is that I can basically go like I'm surprised there isn't a website where I just go uh, this is what I like and then they there probably is a website that does that's this what but, Pandora and Spotify but I feel do. like yeah. I feel like basically music has become the bulk section of the grocery store where it's like I like this where can I go scoop out you know yeah. several thousand
0: uh, iterations of that you know some better than others but I think that that was always. I think, to a certain extent, that was that certainly happened in in the nineties, but not it, but only limited by shelf space.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and I and I and I have a sort of bias about um, working to find something that's kind of rare and interesting. You know, which you could still, in theory, do even on a digital. You know, in a, in, even even if it's something that's digitally available widely, doesn't mean that everyone's out searching for it. But yeah, I, but for some reason, there was something to there was something. To flipping through the, the dailies at the vinyl record store, the ones they got that day, serendipity, yeah, and going, oh, yeah, you know what I'm gonna try out. This cover looks. I'm gonna cool. try out Todd Rundgren or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like a name I hear all the time, and it makes me think of my parents. You know, like mm-hmm. in the wor- in a bad way. People of my parents' generation, mm. okay. like like James Taylor. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, uh, I see I'm a just... lot of
1: those at the the thrift store. Yeah, so
2: and that was fun there was something there was something to be searched for but now it's like it's so easily searched for that it's just it's well
0: the what i guess what is the what do you uh, what do you ultimately value do you ultimately value the music itself or do you ultimately value uh the hunt for the physical well the physical methodical hunt for the rare the rare object
2: well so so I'm not a big collector of things. I wanna get that out there too. Like but <sighs> Thank God I've
0: killed I've killed most of my collections except for certain books I, and I, for Legos. I yeah. think
2: the issue is that is that you can go like you can go and and, and and it's actually a good thing when you think about it, but it's like you can go find really good exemplars of any sort of thing that you're into or that you like it's not hard, you know what i mean? And so like uh so finding the rare thing isn't the big thing for me, but it used to be the rare thing that, that the thing you found that was random was great that you loved it. Yeah. You know what i mean? Uh and and now everything's categorized to such a i think to that's what you're saying like categoriz
1: well, it's because there's so much more content available, right?
2: Much more content, and we, we're much more granular in our appreciation of that content. Yeah. So, like, yeah, now music is subdivided. in like, when I say stoner rock, I mean all sorts of things. There's there, a lot. But there are guys that, when I say stoner rock, they'd go, that's not stoner rock. That's yep. desert rock, or that's this thing or that. Mm-hmm.
0: And Having been employed by the All Music Guide in 2000, let me say that hyper sub-niche sub subcategorization has been a thing for... Again.
2: But that, but that used to be the scholastics of of that of that nerdiness, behaving that way. Now, now there's a a much wider population of people that are the scholastics. Does that make sense? Right. But mm-hmm. the, I
0: think that's just uh, you know, it, I mean, at some point it becomes the the giant beast cast. Always, you know, their opening line is "There's never been a better time to be playing video games." Similarly, the the sheer access that we have to whatever, whatever you particularly want. There are five, you know, five bands out there doing it. Yeah. The, I think there, we are, we are both drowned in, drowneded, drowned, drowning, drowned in. We are literally drowning right now. Drowning in choice. And it becomes a thing of, which, a lot of people from, I mean, James Burke and others have predicted since the '70s that the whole point would be at some point because information finally, you know, finally hit the tipping point and finally hit the, it just exploded. Intelligent, intelligent search agents to find it are now the key thing. Yeah. Right,
2: it it's, it's curation, right?
1: I, I still appreciate human curation. Like, my, when I, whenever I want to listen to music, I go listen to KEXP because I can rely on them to play a Built to Spill on the same day that they play something new. And, you know, I can get both of my jollies right. out there. You know, I think that there's something to be said about people that know music choosing and playing and appreciating music.
0: Right, the record selector.
1: Yep. Well,
2: right. So, so like, it was really aggravating. So, And this is in every city now, but in Portland, I don't know if this still exists, but there's a radio station called Charlie. And, uh, oh, no, I've not a, heard that. That was,
0: uh, just, is that gone? Oh, no, it's still weird. Okay. But, you know, that kind of, like, cutesy one name, um, I mean, they made fun of that in MSC 3 k because it was in, it was in, um, They they had a station like that in Minneapolis in like the early 90s. You're being kidnapped by the light FM. Bad news, Mike. Our theme song tested rather poorly and, well, I'm a big time executive and I made a snap decision. We're going to start our own radio station and we're going to name it Frank. A radio station called Frank? That's
2: right. So come on, turn your crank to Frank.
3: Less talk.
0: And more new country. Winona. Billy Ray Cyrus.
2: Love that Frank. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't promise that I personally will be turning my crank to Frank, but I
0: But it's a radio station called Frank! More Garth! More Reba! Wynona! Well, I, I don't even know the country, country. Uh, Brooks and Dunn. I don't even oh. know. Brooks and
3: Dunn? Winona? What is
2: Winona? I no, don't
3: know.
2: Oh my god! Uh, I don't know if that's what they're talking, but that's a joke from Mystery Science Theater.
0: Well, yeah, there was that, but I think, the, uh, and I and I can't remember if I think I can't remember, but they 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 full on call it out. This is like ninety three ninety five. Like I think they're, I can't remember if they're, if they're fake. Uh, it was it was like a, um, God, what was it? It's like Jack FM or Dave FM or something mm-hmm. like that, and then. Don't you see how great it is? My name is Frank. The radio station's name is Frank. It's totally uncharacteristic to name a radio station Frank. More Garth. More Reba. Why, Nona? So they yeah uh, they repurpose ninety seven one to becoming Charlie, which is like we play all kinds of music, which well, is pretty much just means top forty from. That's slightly, exactly it's top forty. It's my issue. Top forty from a longer era where you will hear both Fleetwood Mac and Guns N' Roses on the same station. Well, and me, oh, well. but not Run DMC and not Public Enemy. Yeah, it's you're not going to hear Slayer on mother. it, or
2: or uh, yeah, or uh, yeah, NWA, but well, maybe you couldn't hear NWA. I don't know, but but they they, they do this. They, we play everything. Ugh, oh my god! Eat shit.
1: Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I
2: don't even remember my original point about Charlie FM, but it was oh, it was Record that selector. It was that all they do. So Charlie FM was like kind of fun because like at first for me because it was like oh well it's a bunch of top forty music and a bunch of weird stuff like like oh hey Wilson Phillips weird when was I ever gonna hear that again <laughs> you know but then it was like it became obvious over time that it's like well they just by these blocks of licensing from mm-hmm. record companies and then in the period of a month you will hear that wilson phillips song if you leave it on a charlie a zillion times yeah. right they, they, until they get a new license agreement because they just swap it out and it wasn't like 20 to
0: 40 songs per day oh, wow. and, uh, on rotation
2: it wasn't it wasn't like when djs were like i don't give a shit about licensing. This is my favorite song right now, and we're, I'm going to play it twice this hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
1: I love late night radio for that reason. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and your midnight radio. <laughs> uh, there was just a piece in, I think. Great movie. I think of um, Noisy, Vice's Noisy column just did a uh, piece about just the greatness of college radio because nobody in college radio is, tr- well, ostensibly nobody is trying to make money. So it's yeah. kind of like you are now. I say this as an ex-college radio, and that's how I, you know, learned how to do mic shit. If you can call this learning, or you know, having any sort of skill, I did college radio in Ann Arbor for five plus years. And there is the other, they mentioned this in that bit. There really is a, a thing about inflicting your musical tastes on a population in the immediate, you know, ten plus, you know, uh, ten to twenty mile radius. Yeah. So. <laughs>
3: Then there's the utter misery that is college radio. Where they apparently just let any bewildered freshman wander into the booth and try to run a radio station. Uh, That that was... The fish was delish. And we heard... Track 6. It made quite a dish. Um... Campus Outreach is looking for... Hang on.
2: College radio can pretty much be summed up in five words. Dead air. Um, dead air.
3: Okay, I am out of here for today. But, um, um, but first up is an, um, air, an, an hour of chanting.
2: Jeremy, I don't know if That's you know this, cool. but I did college rated for one semester mm-hmm. and we had a much more paternalistic model at New Mexico State University and they basically had like rotational
0: hours. Oh, you had, yeah. you, you had to play through the playlist? Yes, but it was like
2: the lamest. Like there was a two hour blues rotation, like new blues music
1: new blues music
2: that they only that
0: was that was was awful that was a that was a week that's a weekend specialty show thing like like like, like you
2: were a junior if you got a show where you got to play music you wanted to
0: play
1: were you were you playing it for like the kind of older i don't know who we were playing it for
2: so me and my buddy fred did it and and we got so goddamn bored with it that we started bringing anything tangentially bluesy and started to play it and then we started doing like we want people to call in just to see if they're listening. And we'd start asking like inane questions, you know, like, like morning DJ questions just to see if anyone was listening. Apparently they were. Yeah. Taxi drivers,
0: really? pizza dudes, the, uh, stoned. The, well, everybody. Well, no, they're all stoned. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: The guy that was on after us, we were young. We were like 19.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The guy that was on after us was uh, an older guy, I think going to get his master's degree, and he was always late, and we started making fun of him for being late and saying like, "Hey, dude, we're like, our shift's been done for two
0: minutes. Where are you?"
2: You know. And then he came in. That's, just like you guys are so unprofessional. Yeah, that's and- that, that's what we call.
0: <laughs> that's na- great. Yeah, they uh, that's yeah, some we have good they, comedy right yeah, there. Yeah, that, that narrow casting. Yeah, they uh, they even the uh, even the unprofessional folks that we had at our freeform station were like, "Yeah, don't do this." Um, but it was a thing where, I mean, just because you're human and in an unstable volunteer format. It's like, it's 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Where the hell is my replacement? I have, you know, I've been doing this since 3 a.m. Yeah. I have to, I have to go home. I need to sleep. This, this, I'm completely, this sucks. I'm, 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 I'm completely sober uh, and I don't want to shut down the station.
3: Yeah.
2: I drove from El Paso, Texas, 30 miles to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I go to school at, yeah, at six thirty in the morning to do a radio show that no one's gonna listen to and the jag off that's supposed to take over for us is is always late. Yep. Sorry for that that clipping you know,
1: there. That was, but... good. that was a Dan Carlin oh. level of Yeah.
0: I um I have enough there are enough <laughs> not enough not even just um
2: And then he calls ex... us unprofessional. I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: And not even yeah. Not, not even like ex DJs, but there are there are enough uh, uh college dj alumnis from my station alone in portland that i can do a <laughs> couple of sh- a couple of episodes just about just dumbass college radio stories not to mention all the other people who've done you know college radio it was um yeah the the fun thing is to go to certain c- certain shows like when we went and saw concrete blonde at the roseland and, and i was looking around I'm like yeah this is a show for older kids and I said this to my friend, I'm like, I bet you I bet you ten bucks. Almost everybody here had a college radio show. And she's like, uh, bet. So I turned around and asked the couple behind me, <laughs> like, Yeah, what well, um, what station was your show on? And they kind of blinked at me and They were, it blinked at me and they're like, Um the college in Kalamazoo. I'm like, <laughs> see told <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Concrete Blonde, I love that band. That's great.
0: All right. We're gonna take a quick break and then we will be right back to wrap things up with recommendations. And yes, back in a bit. <laughs> Hey everybody! Welcome back to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Um, we are going to do our, our last uh, our last segment of the show, which is going to be recommendations. And I don't have a I don't have a uh, a, a snappier name for it than that. Garrett, do you have anything to recommend for the viewing audience?
2: Um, can I go second? Uh, All right. Are you ready?
1: I can do it. Yeah, yeah. I have mine written down this to time. get the,
2: the name of this person.
1: So I'm going to be an absolute plebe and say that when um, Shit Town came out as a podcast produced by the creators of Serial and This American Life, I basically I was like, this is the only thing I'm listening to for seven hours because they released it all at once. And I know it's there's definitely I haven't read any of the quote unquote discourse around it, um, but I can say that going through that podcast was a very emotional experience because they did it so well in terms of narrative storytelling with a um, non-fictional basis. So I don't know if you guys have any knowledge or interest in that. I don't know
2: what it is. What I... uh
1: okay
0: I, I just know because it became the it became the thing that everyone freaked out about yeah to the point where like other podcasters were dumping on it on their shows just because you knocked us out of the top 10 you bastards right there's a lot of uh uh
2: johnny come latelyism that 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 are is angering people have been doing podcasts for
0: you know 150 years yeah
1: and you know what to, to, I,
0: to almost no notoriety i still know. think tom hart i think it's not not tom hartman um i think I still think tom sharply suffers from so much of that <laughs> even though i don't know how much he actually admits of it but Sorry, go
1: on. Oh no, it's okay. You know, Serial introduced a new generation of people, including myself, to podcasts Mm -hmm. as a medium. And I, once I got hooked on it, I have been taking. I haven't been listening to music in like two years, basically. Mm -hmm. I've just been listening to podcasts, which is kind of detriment to my new new music knowledge. But um, I really appreciate. These kind of really in depth stories. It it lauds itself as a true crime story, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a it's basically a retrospective of an individual.
2: This is Shit Town now. Yeah, yeah? Shit town.
1: Okay. and it's named such because it's the t- it's the way that um, the basically the main character John B. Macklemore. He was a a, a man that lived in small town of Woodstock, Alabama, uh-huh. and he was a hyper intellectual, um, very just knowledged man Mm -hmm. and you know he 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 lived in this you know shit town quote unquote Mm -hmm. and the the whole kind of premise and hook of the story was that he reached out to a producer of this american life and like one of those kind of story kind of vetting things and said you know there's a there's been a murder in my town i need your help solving it and then proceeded to have these really long interviews with this guy because he had so much to say because he's lived kind of in this vacuum of, you know, mm-hmm. of ability to be able to communicate with people. And he is such a smart guy. He's a he was a horologist.
2: I don't even know what that
1: is. He study the um, what is time. Is time. Is and oh. so, um, you know, a, it was a was a master repairer of clocks interesting yeah, so it, it, I, I, I do not want to ruin any of it for okay. you, um, but it does have this kind of really interesting story around you know kind of people have described it as southern Gothic
0: okay for, sure. for modern
1: age, and i I really think it's quite true um, on that same note, my second recommendation is a graphic novel that um, I was gifted by my fiance Darren. And it's an older one. What up, there? It's uh, called Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Kid on Earth. Chris Ware. Yep, Chris Ware, published in 2001 by Pantheon Publishing. And I think this one never was on my radar, and I haven't really seen it in a lot of the local shops. Um, but Darren picked this up for me, a copy. It is all hand done. Um, it is very, very elegant elegantly and beautifully designed as a comic it's a, actually a graphic novel obviously mm-hmm. um and it, the story in it is kind of a similar story and that's the one in shit town it's a it's again it's a l- introspective on a, 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 a intellectual that's obviously of an age and alone and you know he obviously devoted a lot of his time to his mother and then suffered for that like lack of that, that social isolation and then ah. meets his father later on in life and it has this really interesting kind of back into the world's fair store like mm-hmm. in, in Chicago like the devil in the white city era um what, what was that? Like 18 something? Yeah, late 1800s. Yeah, so
2: there's, 1890s, a, th- there's a kind
0: 1893 of. 1993 a... yeah. was the World's Fair.
1: Yeah, there's a thread of story in his, basically in his family history that's paralleled within the book itself. Ah. And yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. It's really kind of existential and kind of sad. And I recommend both.
2: Yeah, Natasha's kind of flipping through it. Yeah, I'm going right to hand here, this out right now. And it is uh, really neat looking. Yeah. And I'm not mm-hmm. a person that really knows a lot about graphic novels, but it and then it's cool it has kind of an old timey comics look to it yeah deliberately yeah i I imagine that was a a conscious choice but it's it's Mm -hmm. neat looking
1: yep and then just finally i want to recommend a band that i've been getting into cherry glazers and that's glazers with two r's and they are a band out of i believe los angeles they're a younger female lead singer clementine um they have uh, released a new album recently, Apocalypse, and, but I was really into, um, their second album. Um, it has a song about grilled cheese on it <laughs> that I really like. The They're kind of a dreamy surf sort of pop, very jangly, but very... I, I, again, I hate categorizing music because I right. can't really... Noise pop. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say that would probably be accurate. Anyway, I just, I, I love it when music is kind of. God, I can't find the word. It's Compelling. just relaxed.
0: Chill. Chill. Down tempo even. Yep.
1: <laughs> so I recommend them. And I think their, well, their newer album is a little bit more. Yes. Noise pop.
2: So Cherry Glazer. Okay. So I'll go now. Um, I don't have. I, I haven't consumed much in the past. I've been on a on a little trip, um, but uh, I've got a I've got a, a two recommendations that that relate to the last name Kelly. One is a, kind of an older YouTube video. It's actually five minutes, so it's a it's a good one to think. It's called Thought Leader, and it's by a, a Canadian comedian called Chris Kelly. And basically, what he does is he does a sort of like uh, I don't know what what you'd call this type of skit but he, he does a sort of meta analysis of what a ted talk is oh, oh. Is, this,
0: is this the guy who who pretty much just takes the piss out of a yeah uh, he out, takes, of a, out of a, out of a he, ted
2: talk he takes the piss out of, out of a ted talk and the way he does it is he rather than saying anything he describes how people sort of behave in a ted talk oh my god let's look at a picture of the planet for no reason it's nice isn't it
0: that's where we live what happens if i put some words over it hmm how about a number what if i pose a question by doing this I've now made you think that
2: I know what I'm talking
0: about. Okay.
2: <laughs> and uh and shows it cuz cuz I mean like look, we've all seen TED Talks where we're like, "Wow, this was really interesting." But yeah. but the whole notion of the TED conference is this stupid elitist Yeah. You know all these all these smart you know quote unquote smart people patting the themselves smartest, richest people patting in the themselves world. on the back yeah. I, yeah
0: in Portland in mid mid April because we can see all as we see all of the billboards that
2: are they coming are they
0: doing a TEDx here or something soon? oh yeah that's you've seen the billboards but they, they, you just unless you know what they are they don't immedi- they yeah. don't immediately recognize like oh this is a TEDx thing so. but
1: they don't vet that stuff anymore like the TED conference is like. Now that's, stuff. I mean, now anybody can have, have a seat at the wheel, you know. Well, there like,
2: was that one guy that did that amazing thing in like Philadelphia or something where it was complete nonsense, and he didn't even prepare for it, from what I understand, and just got up there. Uh, it's very famous. I don't remember the dude's name, but it, it was it was quite the- funny. Uh, oh, sorry, I missed that. What was which one? There was a guy that that he he I think it was in Philadelphia. He got a he got on a TEDx conference and had really nothing to say and just did something very very weird that doesn't
0: narrow it down but
2: <laughs> well but i mean it's 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 if i've seen it more than twice and i'm not I and it. i'm not that hooked up uh that means it must be a like a really big thing but anyway yeah. the thought leader video by chris kelly i think is really funny he 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 does things where he's like how about a picture of the globe now we'll put a question over that now a number
3: walking over here i'm going to change the tone of my voice And I'm going to tell you an unremarkable story that's seemingly unrelated,
2: and it's funny. And you'll know it's funny, because I'm laughing, and you're laughing. And you'll ask yourselves, what does this have to do with his
3: talk? What is the point? Well, coming back to the center and slowing my speech lowering the volume of my voice yeah. Be-
2: you
0: know, <laughs> no, a number and a question. It was it's stuff like that. Yeah. He, he, he matches the, the, pa- the Ted Patter beat for beat. I believe the, the name of the video is Thought Leader. It's called, Ga- yeah. Thought Leader gives, t- gives talk that will inspire your thoughts. <laughs>
2: and he's like, you know, I'm a thought leader because I have glasses. I'm wearing a blazer and I'm doing this with my hands. And it's the fingertips yeah. touching fingertips. Yeah. Bridging uh, to, and uh,
0: is Canad- yeah, Canadian, uh, Canadian CBC, um, would have done it, but anyway, CBC, CBC Comic. Nice. If you
2: ever have watched a TED Talk and you've seen ones you've liked, I'm sure. But if you've seen one that made you roll your eyes, this guy nails why you rolled your eyes at it. Yeah. Um. So second in the Kelly list. Uh. This is a weird recommendation, but I had to think of something. I recently bought a new guitar, and it was made. I have, I have many guitars. Nice. I uh, I've spent way too much money on guitars in my lifetime. Like and there's friends, a right? there's a yes, they are my friends. Uh. I, see, I see talk my, to them. You see buy my your friends.
0: friends. <laughs> <laughs> leave, me friends. Alone,
2: leave me alone, you guys. Um, there's a company called Michael Kelly Guitars, and they make what I think to be excellent instruments at a, uh, a modest price. Um, nice. I'm, I'm very happy with the new one I got. So excellent. Michael Kelly Guitars, check them out. Don't be a snob. Don't be the guy that's like, I need to have a Fender or I need to have a Gibson. Like, yeah,
1: those are overrated.
2: Yeah, I need a jazz no. master. They can often.
0: This request. If you have a jazz master out there you want to sell... Uh, at a reduced price to hook me up.
2: And, and my, my 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 stupidest of all recommendations this of stupid recommendations this week is uh, Washington, D.C. If you haven't been, there's a lot to do in that city.
1: The Smithsonian.
2: Yeah, you can go to For the Smithsonian. I went, uh, I went to the Native American Museum's food court. Delicious. Nice. Well, we went to the museum itself, but we didn't have that much time to look around. Uh, but, yeah, I really had a lot of fun with my special lady. McKendree Thompson, friend of the show, uh in Washington, DC. So that's kind of what I've been up
1: to. That's great. Yeah.
2: There's, these are not my favorite recommendations.
1: No, I think they're great recommendations. Thanks, buddy. Much better than mine.
0: The cosmic ping pong pizzeria. See the <laughs> site. Oh, yeah.
1: Go to the basement.
0: Yep. You touch and kids. We didn't get a chance to oh, go to, to cosmic pizza. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there we go. It was high on my list, but not just getting it wasn't Can't high get high can't list. get high enough. Uh <laughs> I'll go last. Two things to recommend for you folks. One is a Uh, put out by, by crooked media podcast called, uh, with friends like these, it is Anna Marie Cox interviewing, you know, with kind of like, I don't know, awkward conversations, whatever. She did a very, she very recently did a, an episode talking to Thomas Frank who just kind of like starts ranting about, um, similar to, uh, uh, ranting about the the problems of like quote unquote professionalism Mm -hmm. and kind of, um, like, uh, and the kind of people he mocked from, you know, running the Baffler forever, as uh, as but and also the irony of like he himself is a professional living in Washington D.C. and about how the kind of the weird tribal mindset sets in, mm-hmm. where you go very, it's very much like means testing and kind of like it's the kind of mindset that led to all of the terrible thing the all of the terrible ideas that were put forth as valid things for the um that was during uh, the tw- the 2016 presidential campaign right by a lot of the um uh yeah it's 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 good stuff but it's a great rant about kind of like you know it's at some point uh people who don't really you know they they don't really have a uh, an, uh, all these people who don't really have a belief system anymore they have more of like an aesthetic choice it's like why why so many of them are really really high uh really really like jared kushner and ivanka trump just because they have you know they, appearance yeah appearance. it's pretty much the you know the, uh, v- validity through style points like they make they they sound all the right tribal uh, tribal bells so well, right
2: yeah. I was actually talking about this sorry I don't mean to hijack the recommendation section but the whole notion that I'm really worried about Donald Trump getting impeached because I'm afraid that Mike Pence will become the vice president and they'll be like well he's a kook too. But he knows how to play by the rules, and all we really care about is that people are following the rules. Do right. you know what I'm saying? Yes, it's th- yeah.
0: uh, Jeb has talked about this too, about and it's kind of and very recently you'll see this. Like after after all of the, uh, this is going to come out a bit later, but. Actually, between the the time, uh, our recording time and whenever you actually this episode actually airs, God knows what stupid what more daily <laughs> stupid bullshit happens. But it's so we'll we'll say we'll go back to the uh, the non State of the Union address that the people who the the Beltway types so want. So, they so buy into the idea of like you know the eminence of the imperial president right. that they really are like kind of you know uh, like as Gore Vidal mocked them for decades. These are their courtiers on Versailles on the Potomac River. They want they you know they want the full-on Sun King. They want to be yeah. Um, well, they, yeah, they so want to be, you know, they so want you know to be covered. You know, is even as you know, not to mention just kind of professionals. They want to be journalists covering great men that's once. St- do you
2: think yeah. that's the do you think that's the impetus for it because i'm trying to figure out like what they get out of it you know what i mean like like i
0: have to reflected glory i think yeah well
2: that i i have like i think someone like farid zakaria and i know we're in recommendations but i i forgot i really wanted to talk about this but someone like farid zakaria i think is just lazy and and has already got his perch and he benefits from a world he can understand and donald trump isn't someone he can understand unless he's like, oh, well, he's going and bombing people. Like, right. Right, you know, every every president that, since I've been a professional journalist,
1: has, has been
2: bombing people. Right. You know what I mean? So and, now
1: he's a legitimate president. But yeah. like,
0: why Van Jones? Remember when Van Jones called him presidential? Again, well, we talked about the uh, off-air bike, but it's kind of, at some point, this is when your belief system, um, we, because we are social animals, our belief systems and uh, and how we perceive things are have a lot to do with like our social you know if with our social groups and the people we hang out mm-hmm. with yeah. and if everybody you hang out if your crew is thinks about a certain way a thing a certain way you will too just thanks to brain wiring and I think if you're in that particular media swamp um you are incentivized both subtly and overtly to um and you just not automatically match whether people do and so I think that's kind of mm-hmm. you know this, at some point. Joining any group, you know, any group that you join you um, unless the the gap is too big, you know, it just kind of breaks up. Uh, And last thing really quick is um, Dan Olson's Dan Olson is a a, um, kind of, I don't know, videographer, filmmaker, commentator, uh, YouTuber out of Calgary. He's been doing a series of videos called uh, Foldable Human or Folding Ideas. He put out, he's been doing this, he does a few of them every uh, every year or so. He put out one covering Gamergate uh, a couple years ago that actually is still extremely relevant, shockingly, but yeah. gets into the, helps deconstruct the entire mindset of why you get, a, uh, whenever, and this happens again, like say, whenever you have a lot of, uh, a lot of like in, uh, aggrieved entitlement. You know, just a lot of mainly white dudes who freak out about if, say, they feel they are not they are no longer being directly marketed to mm-hmm. by saying it, it, this happens every single time every they try. Time. Yeah, they, they try changing up any sort of um, like trad um, Marvel or DC or Star Wars or any sort of like anything in geek culture that they that they have claimed as their own that they think that that is all of a sudden is not immediately like pandering to them uh they now reject as artificial influence and, you know into the marketplace and whatnot. And yep. Dan also in the video, and I'll link it to I can even I'll even cut in some of the audio, does a great job in like, you know, ten, twenty minutes dis- you know, deconstructing all this stuff. And it's kind of like the uh it's ostensibly just about Gamergate, but it happens it's a thing that happens with any like aggrieved online fan group, but especially a lot of like, you know, MRA, Red Pillar, um Anime Nazi, alt right types.
3: Yep. Yeah, so
0: that 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 is those are my recommendations, and we are running out of time. So real quick, uh, how do we, how does everybody get a hold of you on the internet if they want to? Uh, I'm at
2: Comrade Garrett on Twitter. I've been uh, t- tweeting more to little effect, but uh, that's fine. Um, you can find me at HonkytonkUnion.com. Uh, that's my country and western band that I'm in. Uh, we're we're also playing uh twice monthly at the Landmark Saloon if you happen to live in Portland, Oregon. It's a great show. And thank you. And uh I think that's about all I want to advertise about what I do online. That's good. Yeah.
1: I am at Ashes for Foxes on Twitter. I got it wrong last episode because you know, I can't Twitter very well, but I'm learning. Um I'm also on Tumblr. My link is on my page. Um yeah
0: and if you want it to reach the show you could facebook page is facebook.com slash giving the mic or just search giving the mic to the wrong person we are at you know on email address email us at giving the mic at gmail twitter is just at giving the mic all one word uh i want to thank uh michael Palmrose for cutting this together i also want to thank the mysterious breakfast cereal for our theme and as always you know um as dan wilson himself says you know go in the spirit of like scri- like subscribe and share because that's how we uh you know you uh, all you gotta do is find us on itunes and enter a little review and just tap that button and that's how we actually get found but found by more people and Easy
2: peasy. and that's
0: another thing is like a lot of a lot of places are are you know from npr all down or like you know Share podcasts with your friends because it's effectively, yep. uh, you know, a lot of people don't actually know what a podcast is. It's just this is a radio show that just automatically gets delivered to you, usually your phone or whatever. That's a great description. So, uh, do that, ladies and gentlemen. And um, as always, as we like to say here, keep watching the skies.
3: Stay sexy and don't get murdered. <laughs>